Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me again for the next episode of the Anxious Mammal Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about parts theory or ego parts. And this is something that is utilized in sessions with my clients using IFS, which is internal family systems. So we're going to talk about how we have various personality parts as resources that we connect to, depending on the situation and the needs of the situation, and talk about how these are impacted by trauma. So stick around and we will discuss your many, many personalities. Okay, so most people, when they think about various personalities or multiple personalities, they think about the representation that they often see in movies, which is uh, referred to as multiple personality disorder. And that is a real thing. Um, however, it is actually labeled dissociative identity disorder now in the updated DSM. This is a very real condition. Um, it's rare. I've actually only seen it a couple times in my career. But this is where you will see an individual who will shift as though they're changing complete personalities. They might go from speaking as though they're a young child to an adult or even speaking as a male or female or various other changes where you can noticeably tell the person's demeanor and personality seems to take a drastic abrupt shift. We all have this on some level, but ours is functional. And people who have trauma, it's functional, but there's issues with it. And then people who have severe trauma can have dissociative identity disorder where it is not functional. They have lost the ability to control what we're going to explain, but blending with personality parts. So their self, which is, we're just going to say Tom. So there's Tom, and then there's Tom as a student, Tom as a child, Tom as a father, Tom as a husband, etc. So Tom's self will blend, quote unquote, with these personality parts where he has learned to develop resources to navigate various settings and situations. It's a survival mechanism for the brain, compartmentalizing, resourcing, and continuing to evolve and adapt and survive, which at the core of our brain, survival is number one. So as we move through our lives, we develop our sense of self, our identity, this identity of I am me and that is different from others. This also is something that we use as our foundation, but we then in various situations, as I said, whether they be pleasant, unpleasant, traumatic or normal, we develop personality parts that become resources to navigate these various situations that we experience throughout our lives. So. For example, the personality that you present with, the behavior, the way you talk, the way you present yourself, energy, any of that, even value system that you use to make decisions is slightly adjusted if you're at work compared to if you're at school or if you're interacting with your family or if you're interacting with your boss or if you're out on the town with your friends. This is something that is true from the beginning of our life cycle. 
So as children, we are learning to develop the self, but we also are developing these personality parts to help us navigate situations like navigate school as opposed to navigate home. Now, what's normally supposed to happen when you're a child is the parent should be meeting the child's needs and attuning to the child's emotional affect and needs. But what happens is if a child is in a situation that is traumatic, anything from abuse, physical, emotional, mental, any of it, to exploitation or just neglect, the child starts to create a separate piece of their identity because they must meet the parents' needs and the parents' expectations. So they create this identity part that does not utilize or exhibit the behaviors that they know trigger the parent. They either increase their need or decrease their needs on the adult because it depends on what the adult needs. They appear weak or they appear strong. It depends on what, again, the adult needs them to be. They may not be able to be angry. They can never speak about what's going on. The child is then stuck in a situation where they're constantly trying to attune to the parent's needs to limit the abuse, or they may be doing it because they're trying to increase access to the parent who might be neglectful or not present. If the parent remains in the home and is abusive, the child has to learn to live with this abuse because they're stuck there. A five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, they can't make the decision to leave the home. Even if they could understand that that's a possibility, it's not something that's going to happen. So they're stuck in this situation. So the only option is to figure out how to survive. So then they may start putting their head down, speak when spoken to, slouch their shoulders and make themselves smaller so they're less likely to be noticed and seen and targeted. So you might see the child go to school. They'll be outgoing and talkative, maybe even disruptive in class they're so talkative. Some of this could do with the lack of attention that they get at home, and so they're seeking it in school. And then when they go home, as they're working their way towards the home even, there will be a shift in their physical presentation. And then when they get home, there's a shift in their personality. They might be quieter, less energetic, less inquisitive, keep to themselves more, slouched and small, eyes down, etc. because they don't want to upset the parent. They must meet the parent's needs. So this child goes to school and Tom blends with his personality part, his ego part, for Tom the student. And when he heads home, Tom is Tom, but he blends with the personality or ego part of Tom the child. The child has different demands than the student. Therefore, each personality part has different resources. Each is useful. However, Tom the child, or Tom the son, is a personality part that is developed and grounded in a traumatic relationship. So we then have to deal with the impact of trauma on these personality parts and they become dysfunctional or what we call fragmented. The consequence to this is that the self, Tom, doesn't get to always continue to choose what personality part to blend with and when. So for example, you have eight-year-old Jane and her father leaves, just disappears and abandons the family. And later on, Jane is 22 and dating somebody for a couple weeks. And this gentleman ends up breaking up with her. Jane may blend with the personality part that is traumatized. So the one of her eight-year-old Jane, where dad abandoned me. 
So now Jane is going to be experiencing the feelings of abandonment that she felt with her father that really shouldn't apply in this moment. It's just a gentleman she's been dating for a couple of weeks. She's an adult. Her resources are different. Her understanding of the world is different, but it's a traumatic memory. Therefore, her reaction herself unintentionally without her really wanting to unconsciously blends with this seven, eight-year-old trauma part of abandonment. And now she's responding to the gentleman leaving her after two weeks with the sense of her father abandoning her again. And so she can over-respond in this moment. And it's not because she's irrational or emotionally unstable. It's because she's traumatized and her brain was taught that she will be abandoned by men that are supposed to be important or meaningful. It's not her choice to choose this personality part because it is a trauma part. So it's being activated in the trauma memory, trauma network unintentionally. This happens a lot as a child because children will internalize any negative thing that happens with their parents. What happens is the child needs to protect the image of the good enough parent. Because if you are a good kid with an incapable or bad parent, the world is terrifying because the world is already scary and confusing. But if you are a bad kid with a good parent, the world is still okay and you can change yourself. So kids internalize everything about their parents. If their parents divorce, it's their fault. If their dad leaves, it's their fault. Now, this may be something that some people will say, well, I don't, I never felt that way or thought that my dad was just a jerk or my mom was just a jerk. But you have a subconscious, unconscious level that you don't realize what kind of thought processes are going on there. This is something that your brain does automatically. So your brain will download these core beliefs of I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. And this is what trauma is. That is the core belief, the negative distorted core belief that gets stuck to the event that causes a memory and experience to actually be stuck in the trauma network. In response to this, you develop a personality part that believes this. So now you have a part of you that is an eight year old dad left that believes you're not lovable or good enough. And that gets ingrained into a core belief subconsciously or consciously. And that then guides your decisions and how you experience and navigate situations moving into the future that have anything to do with a relationship ending and trigger that memory in your brain. Now, these personality parts become fragmented and that's why we don't have complete control over them. And this is due to the trauma. People with dissociative identity disorder have experienced such severe trauma that their parts have completely fragmented to the point to where they are either unaware of one another or phobic, afraid of one another. And then they can jump essentially between personalities and present as completely different people. Now, everybody has this except without any trauma and just a perfectly functional brain, let's say living in a bubble with no trauma, we are in complete control of choosing which personality parts we want in any given moment, which is resourceful and functional. If you have trauma, you lose some of your ability to choose when these come out. Personality parts may choose to come out without your say-so. And then if you have severe trauma, you can actually end up with the extreme case of dissociative identity disorder and a completely fragmented personality and ego system. Now with IFS or internal family systems, this is a common approach to address this issue. Internal family systems will attempt to access specific personality parts in order to work on those as though, almost as though they're like separate people in the room. So I may have Tom in the room, but we may need to access Tom as a, the eight-year-old living at home as a child with a dad that abandoned or abused him. And we need to access that personality part 
and then there's many techniques where we can help Tom work through that trauma by addressing this personality part that's essentially an eight-year-old still trapped believing it's at home with an abandoned or abusive dad. We need to help this personality part understand that Tom is now an adult, Tom is now resourceful, Tom is no longer trapped or a victim of that trauma. Because what happens is even when we try and use interventions like simply CBT or one of my favorites, of course, which is EMDR to process and clear out trauma, the personality parts will act as defense mechanisms and they will get in the way of EMDR and other trauma interventions. So a lot of times what I personally like to do is utilize IFS with EMDR to get the permission of the personality parts. Let the personality parts know that we don't want to get rid of them. We appreciate what they've done because they have been resources and they have helped this individual survive, but that they no longer have to do this. It is not, for example, 1990 anymore. It is 2022, and this is not happening anymore. And they don't need eight-year-old Tom to isolate or be angry at the abusive dad or the abandoned dad because that's not occurring anymore. But as we know from previous talks, trauma gets trapped in the active memory and your brain and body essentially believe as though it's still happening or is about to happen again in the present moment. So a good analogy that I like to use with people when I'm using IFS and EMDR is think of it as your life, you have a house and you have a bunch of rooms in this house and in the room is a trauma memory. The door is closed and in front of that door is a personality part that experienced that trauma at the age that the trauma was experienced, guarding that door to try and protect you. And when you, without any assistance or knowledge that this is going on, try to access that room, this personality part will steer you away and make you isolate or drink or have suicidal ideation. And these are all good intentions by the personality part to try and protect you from entering the room because they believe if you entered the room, you will not be able to deal with it because it is a trauma. So they will tell you to do anything they can. First, they'll start with ideas like what we like to call managers, which are usually appropriate kind of things like, you know, exercise and sleep right and work through relationship issues, be aware of them. But when you start to have triggers and trauma that is intrusive, they will turn into firefighters and they will just tell you to do whatever they can think of to try and get you to stay away from this, even if it means drug addiction or suicide. So these parts have good intentions, so we want to protect them. We don't want them to leave. We don't want to get rid of them. We simply want to let eight-year-old Tom standing in front of that door know that, hey, look, here is Tom the adult, and he even has a professional with him who he trusts, and we are asking your permission to please let us enter the room and clean up this trauma, and then you don't have to stand here and guard this trauma anymore. You can just go be eight-year-old Tom and come up when that is necessary and just be an eight-year-old and not an eight-year-old who is in fear or who is in trauma. So IFS helps us access the personality part, acknowledge it, get its trust to allow us to go into a room where the trauma is, and then use EMDR or other techniques to resolve the trauma, and then the room is cleared. And the room doesn't get filled again with trauma, not that trauma. Once it's cleared, it's cleared. So EMDR and IFS are amazing tools that work really well together. But the main point of this podcast, which is going to be a little bit shorter than usual because I don't want to overdo this, but it is that you have personality parts. They are resources that you choose to use in certain settings and situations 
so that you can navigate that situation in the most appropriate and beneficial way. But when you deal with trauma, those fragment to some degree and you lose some or all control and choice of when to use which personality part and that causes further devastation and difficulty for daily life. There is a blog post that I wrote on this that pretty much repeats and outlines this information. So if you would like to take in this information in a different form, you can read this, just go to the blog. The article is called, We All Have Multiple Personality Disorder. You can read that and it'll recap on this. If you, There's also an image there, by the way, that shows what I was talking about with the parent and the child. If you have any questions, the phone number to contact me is listed on the contact page of my website. Feel free to call, leave me a message and I will get back to you. You can also leave me your email and I will be glad to answer any questions that you may have. You can do further research on your own if you would like by looking into ego parts, parts theory, or internal family systems, which is IFS. Appreciate your guys' time as always. I hope this was useful. I encourage any questions or comments or suggestions. And I hope to see you here next time. Thank you.